so good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be here with all of you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, um, in our leadership meeting last night, um, I mentioned to our leaders on the um, Zoom meeting, um, for those of you that don't know, um, I lost, my wife lost her father. I lost a father-in-law Wednesday morning, um, early Wednesday morning, maybe about um, 4 a.m., sometime around there, and um, it was unexpected. Uh, when I lost my father in July, that was kind of expected because he's been sick. He was sick for at least a couple years that he was struggling with different kind of sickness. So we anticipated his death coming. So in July, when we went down to Florida for that funeral, um, that was expected. Nonetheless, still impactful. And so um, we took care of his funeral. And so here we are again. And it's going to be November and we have to um, bury a relative. So it's tough. Um, I've, I've been saying that if you live, if the Lord allow you to live a little bit, these are things that's going to happen. If the Lord tarries, my kids are going to have to do that with me. And so um, as a preacher, it is a little bit different. I can't lie to you. Um, you know, it's something that um, we are, it's part of, you know, how we live our life is um, preachers especially especially and so um, doesn't mean that it's not difficult on you but when it's kind of what you do you know you preach funerals often and you know you're involved with it it just it, it's a little bit different um, I, I don't think I mourn my father since he has passed because I'm like what I laugh at myself I was the preacher the pallbearer the officiator you just name it. If you've never seen it, where the preacher preached, and then he came down, and then he got to carry the casket, and then when he gets to the cemetery, he carries the um the casket to the um the the, the to the to the grave site, and then perform. <laughs> so, so I don't know if I ever mourned that um that death yet, but hey, it's it's just how things are, and we can't do anything about it. All I can ever say is, you know, birth. And death, man, it brings to reality how real our God is. I, I, don't, I, I just can't say it any different. That when it comes down to birth and death, it makes you come to a place to acknowledge and recognize Jesus is real. And he's large and in charge. He's got everything under control. So that's what usually birth and funeral does for me. It just had me dig deeper in my relationship with the Lord but pray for my wife it's not easy for her as I mentioned uh, my father-in-law had three girls but my daughter my daughter my wife <laughs> my wife was his first daughter and so she got to have the time where she was the only baby girl you know that he took her everywhere he went you know back in those days she always talked about um, when her daddy would drive he would put her between his legs you know back in those days you could do stuff like that you know way back then you know you could drive your little kid little baby between your legs and their hands are on the steering wheel and you don't get pulled over and get a ticket and so she you know that's the kind of life that she was exposed to um in that family and said then her other two sisters came along 
but she always had a great relationship with her dad. So it's tough for her, and it's tough for all the girls and the boys. It's five of them, and um, they're doing everything that they can to hold it together and plan everything. And so, you know, we are, we're pretty close, um, all of us. So when I say my wife lost her dad, and I say pray for our family, it's because I'm that close, you know, with my wife's family. I'm not one to ever have uh, mother-in-law or father-in-law jokes because I was always pretty good and accepted with my wife's family. And so, remember my first Bible study when I got saved, I taught my mother-in-law. And when I taught my mother-in-law, my first Bible study when I got saved, that's who I taught, she was the one that uh, made the family come in the living room. She would say, Wayne is coming. She would cook. And she would make everybody come in the living room while I teach Bible study. And my father-in-law, hard-headed, you know, he didn't want to come into the living room, so he stood by a door. You know, men always think they're so tough. He stood by a door, and he would listen. And then when he sees me, come here, brother, Wayne, we need to talk. He got this bombastic voice. And so we've, we've been, we're coming from a mighty long way. And um, my last conversation with him um, I was telling uh, my wife and my sister-in-laws that he was just so happy, um, you know, because he was in the hospital for a little bit, but we thought he was going to come out. We thought he was going to be fine. Um, but, you know, last time I talked to him, he um, he, he smirked and, and kind of laughed because when they needed to make certain decisions about how to take care of him, all of his kids got on the phone and, you know, they were all talking. And so I'm listening to everybody talk. And um, later on, he calls me. He says, Brother Wayne, Brother Wayne always. And he lifts his head and did like this. He said, they're all talking, all getting along. My kids just there. So, you know, if that was his last memory, he had good memory, that his children was together, they were talking, they were a family, they were together. And um, that's all that matters to him. He, he really cared about his family. And so we... Um, we have a great loss, and um, we're going to do everything that we can to bury him and do it the right way. And so I'll keep you posted with all the details as they come. But it's pretty tough. Keep my wife in prayer and her family. Um, very tough. Very tough. And for those of you that have had loss like this, you kind of know what I'm talking about. That when you lose your parents, um, it's, it's not easy. And it never goes away, right? You're living your life, and you know, ever so often it comes back to you. They're not here, you know. They're not here. You're like, what is this? I think we're still in a fog about my father-in-law not being here because it's just Sunday. We're just having this conversation. Everybody, we're all talking, and he's not here. I'm just like, this is crazy. But God is great and greatly to be praised. I tell you all of this to say, serve God. Work on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Trust him in all things. Because at the end of the day, as they like to say, it's all about him. And he is the one that determined the beginning from the end. He's the one that sustains us. And we just got to know it's about him. And we want to make sure we have a relationship with him. So I want you to join with me and pray tonight and just ask God to have his way. We're going to be blessed this for the next four church services. Uh, the Dibbles are with us. 
we, we will be here tonight. Obviously, we're here already. Tomorrow night, invite somebody out to church. We'll be here at 7.30 tomorrow night. And then Sunday morning, uh, they're preaching both services, 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. And so I am looking forward to it. Remember what I told you. One of the wonderful things, aside from Brother Dibble being such a wonderful preacher, uh, one of the great things about having them in is they don't know what we've been doing in our church. They don't know your personal story. They don't know what you're thinking. So whatever they say is from the Lord. So you can take that and hold on to it. Because, you know, pastors, you know, have to deal with the whole thing of when God speaks to us and we speak to you all, it's easy for you to say, yeah, he might have heard something. Yeah, I might have shared this with him. And so, you know, you might not give us the credit that we heard from God. But when someone comes in and you know they don't know anything about you, and, and what's the story? I didn't, Brother Dibley is like big time in New Jersey now. He came in, didn't even text me, didn't say, hey, bro, I'm here, nothing at all. He knew where to go. He took care of his business. And who knows what he did today? I don't know. I just knew he just came in and, you know, didn't ask me for the address for the church. Nothing. He's just here. <laughs> so we haven't talked about anything today. So let the Holy Ghost have his way. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're so grateful and so thankful tonight to be gathered together in your name. Oh, God, we're seeking your will to be done in this place, in our life tonight, Lord God. Father, we want a real encounter with you tonight, Lord. We want to really have sweet communion and fellowship with you tonight, Lord God. Oh, Father, you know our heart, Lord God. You know what we need, oh, great God. And, oh, God, nobody but you can supply and provide what we need. And so tonight we humble ourselves before you, Lord God. We submit our will that your will may be done in our life, Almighty God. We ask, Almighty God, that there will be a move of your spirit tonight, Lord God. That we will not be the same after this service tonight, Lord God. Oh, Father, that every person in this house, Lord God, will respond in faith according to the preaching of the Word of God, according to the move of the Spirit of God. Every person will respond tonight by faith and obedience to the Word of God. Lord, we will worship you. We will praise you. We will bless your name. The Lord is good. His mercy everlasting and his truth enduring to all generation. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Oh God, there is none like you. You're the lifter up of our head. You're our kingsman redeemer. You are the source of our strength, Lord God. It is in you that we live and move and have our being, Lord God. Oh, Father, we're thankful. We're grateful, Lord, to be called the children of the Most High God. And tonight, Lord Jesus, we want fellowship with you, Lord God. Have your way, sweet Jesus. Have your way, great God. In the name of Jesus, let your anointing flow freely in this place tonight, Lord. Oh, we bless your name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody love him tonight. Somebody give him praise and honor tonight. 
He's worthy of all the praises. He's worthy of all the honor. There is none like Jesus. There is none like Jesus. Come on, let's praise him together tonight. Hallelujah. Everybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Amen. Can we worship on a Thursday night? Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me
disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came 
seeing. Now, I want to preach to you. The, the subject may seem peculiar at first. I hope to get to where I'm going. Eventually, allow me to lay a little bit of foundation this evening. I, I want you to know I cut out ten pages from my notes this evening. Because I don't want to wear out the saints of the Most High God. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. But I do have a thought that I want to bring to you this evening from the Word of the Lord. It will hopefully become apparent after a while. My subject tonight is get the mud out of your eyes. Get the mud out of your eyes. My wife and I are going to sing a little bit before I preach. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Let me feel and we can all
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Get the mud out of your eyes. Our text of Scripture tells us about the healing of the man who was born blind. What a great miracle that was that Jesus performed. The Bible tells us in verse 1 of John 9, And as Jesus passed by. You read in the Gospels and you will see that the Lord Jesus was always passing by somewhere or passing by someone who had a need. As Jesus passed by, a miracle happened. As Jesus passed by, he made himself available to someone who was in need. As Jesus passed him uh, passed by, he opened himself up for an individual to touch him. As Jesus passed by, blinded eyes were opened and deaf ears were unstopped. The lame were made to walk and the dumb began to talk. As Jesus passed by, devils were cast out, messed up lives were put back together again and broken hearts were mended. As Jesus passed by, the dead were brought back to life, sicknesses were healed, and people were made whole of whatever their problem was. Great things happened when the Lord Jesus was around. Great things happened when the Lord Jesus passed by. And can I tell you today that the Lord Jesus is passing by this way tonight. The, the Lord Jesus is passing by this building right now. The same God of the Old Testament who 
by His creative Word spoke into existence. The earth that we see around us is here today. The same God of the Old Testament that said, let there be and there was is here today. The same God of the New Testament that went around doing good is here right now. And He's come to reveal Himself to you tonight. He's come to meet your need. He's come to heal your sick body. He's come to speak peace into your storm. He's come to deliver you from things that have had you bound for so long. He's come to touch you today. He's come to bring you through the crisis that is overwhelming you. He's come to walk with you through the circumstances that have consumed you. He's come to deliver you from fear, to set you free from anger, to loose you of depression. He's come to speak into your situation the very thing that will turn it around tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ is passing by this way right now and He's come to help you. All you have to do is reach out to Him. All you have to do is respond to Him tonight. Don't let Him pass you by without you reaching out to Him to touch Him tonight. I'm mindful of that old song that says, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry while on others Thou art calling. Do not pass me by. Savior, Savior, Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Don't let him walk on by tonight without you receiving what you need from him today. No doubt all of us came in here tonight with some kind of a need, and I'm preaching to you tonight that he wants to help you in your time of need. I'm preaching to you that he's got more than enough to solve your problem and to save your soul today. I'm preaching, get the mud out of your eyes. As Jesus was passing by that day, he saw the blind man. He saw the need that this man had. He wasn't just passing by, but as he was passing by, he saw. Now, I don't have a lot of time to stop here for very long, but can I tell you that the Lord Jesus sees your need tonight as well. He knows what you're really in need of tonight. He, he knows all about your hurts. He knows about the sickness and the pain that could be in your body right now. He knows the struggles that you are currently facing. He knows all about the disappointments and the heartache that you have had to deal with. He knows about the depression that you battle every single day. He knows about the problems that you face in your family. He knows about the difficulties that you have had to deal with on the job. And you know what? Jesus is passing by today to help you. And further, He sees you and He knows just what you are going through tonight. Amen. So Jesus sees this 
blind man who had never seen. Can I tell you that sometimes we too are blind. Sometimes we too are blinded from seeing the things that we really need to see. We get caught up in a situation that temporarily blinds us to seeing what God is trying to show us. And you, you say, that'll never happen to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm living for God. I love the Lord. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. That'll, that'll never happen to me. Well, it happened to King David. And he was a man after God's own heart. David was temporarily blinded by lust one time. He, he was so blinded that he stopped doing the things that he knew were right. One thing led to another. And in his blinded condition, he commits adultery. And then in the end, that leads him to murder. David was blinded to the things that he was doing by lust. I'm afraid that we have a tendency, even after we have come to know the Lord Jesus, to be in a blinded condition. When we let the things of the world back into our lives, we are spiritually blinded. When we look more like the world than we do look like a Christian, we are spiritually blinded. When the entertainment of the world is more enticing than finding our way into the presence of God. We are spiritually blinded. When we refuse to reach out to the lost and dying in evangelism, we are spiritually blinded. When we carry around with us the offenses and grudges that we've had for years and we refuse to really forgive one another and live in harmony and peace with one another, we are spiritually blinded when we hold inside of us resentments and hurts and we refuse to give them to Jesus. We are spiritually blinded and we cannot see afar off when we pass along gossip and backbite one another instead of practicing brotherly love and kindness we are spiritually blinded when we excuse sin of any kind in ourselves and in others instead of standing upon the word of God and boldly declaring right is right and wrong is wrong sin is sin we are spiritually blinded and when God reveals this condition to you through the preaching and teaching of your pastor, you ought to thank God and call out to God to save your soul and bring you back to the place where you need to be in Him. Get the mud out of your eyes. So, this man was blind. And as they were passing by and saw, the disciples asked the Lord Jesus a question. Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was a popular doctrine of that time that all sickness and suffering had its origin in sin. And so the question the disciples 
asked is somewhat understandable. But the Lord Jesus sets the record straight and he told them that this sickness has a different purpose. This sickness is not the result of this man's sin or the sin of his parents, but this sickness has been allowed so that the glory of God can be revealed. This sickness has been allowed in this blind man so that the Lord Jesus Christ could reveal just who he was to the crowd that day. And you read in the rest of the chapter how as a result of that miracle of the blind man being made to see, the Lord Jesus was revealed. And then the story moves on and tells us that Jesus spit on the ground and made some clay, the scripture says, or mud out of the spit and the dirt. Can I tell you that it was not the spit that was special. It was not the dirt that was dynamic. And further, it was not the mud, the product of the two, that was miraculous. If that were so, we would have people still today going around throwing mud at every situation, every sickness or disease they encountered. The spit by itself was nothing special. The dirt by itself was nothing special. The combination of the two, the mud, was nothing special. But it only became special when it was in the hands of the Master. The spit by itself was not enough to meet the need of the blind man. The dirt in and of itself was not enough to meet the need that day. The mud made out of the two was not enough to meet the need that was present. But when you add the Lord Jesus Christ to the equation, it becomes enough. It becomes more than enough. The barrel of meal and the cruise of oil was not enough. The lady's two mites in the offering plate was not enough. The widow's little bottle of oil was not enough. The lamp and the trumpet and the pitcher in Gideon's hand was not enough. David's slingshot and five smooth stones were not enough. Aaron's rod that budded was not enough. Five loaves and two fishes was not enough. The mantle of Elijah was not enough. But when you add God to the equation, it becomes enough. It becomes more than enough. Likewise, your righteousness is not enough. Your bank account is not enough. Your goodness is not enough. Your intellect, your talent, your skill, your ability, all your money put together is not enough. But when you add the Lord Jesus to the equation, it becomes enough. It becomes more than enough. The Bible tells us that after... The Lord Jesus made mud from the dust of the ground. He anointed the eyes of the blind man. 
just the dust of the ground and spit. I can just see Jesus as he is carefully applying the mud to the eyes of the blind man. I can just picture the great physician as he, with his own hand, smears the mud and coats the eyes of that blind beggar. This man was a beggar and he was blind. He probably didn't pay much attention to what he looked like on the outside. No doubt he looked pretty pitiful according to our standards. Maybe he had a smell about him that put off most people. Probably others did not get very close to this beggar. Maybe they they just sort of stood off at a distance. Everybody is social distancing today. But maybe they just stood off at a distance and and threw some mites over to where his bucket was and, and just threw what they had off to him from a distance, but not Jesus. He was always touching those who needed his touch. He touched the lepers. He touched the woman with the issue of blood. He touched the lame man. He touched the sick and diseased. He even touched the dead. He was not afraid of the problem, and he's not afraid of your problem. It doesn't matter what it is. He's up close and personal with you today, and he wants to touch you. I want to preach to you. That the Lord Jesus wants to touch you today. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. It doesn't matter what your background is. The world can look at your past. The world can look at your background and say, No, you can't do this or that. You can't be a part of what we're doing here. But along comes Jesus. And He says it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you smell like. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've done in this life. I want to touch you today. I want to change your life. Oh, come on. Let's praise Him together for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, all that was just background information. I was just laying a foundation. Here's where I really want to begin to minister to you tonight. After the anointing of the eyes with the mud, the blind man still could not see. But the Lord gives some further instruction to the blind beggar. He commands him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam was where the water collected from the conduits of King Hezekiah that he dug underground from the springs of Gihon outside of the city walls. When the city of Jerusalem was sieged by King Shennacherib, king of Assyria, and they were trapped inside, they were able to survive because there was fresh flowing water into the city. The psalmist said one time, there is a river 
The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Oh, I'm thankful for the fresh flowing river of the Holy Ghost in an individual's life. I'm thankful for the fresh flowing power and anointing that brings direction and guidance into the life of a believer. It was to this pool of Siloam that the blind man was sent to wash. And when he washed, the Bible says he came away seeing. He did not see before he washed. He did not see when he was anointed. He did not see when the mud was still in his eyes. He did not see before he got to the pool. He did not see back at the temple or back at the church house in the sanctuary. He did not see on his way over to the pool. But after he washed in obedience to the word of the Lord, he came away seeing. I'm preaching today. Get the mud out of your eyes. Now, the other day, I made a purchase at an auto parts store. And on the purchase that I made, there was a rebate on one of the items. I think the total rebate was around $17. And so I decided that I was going to go ahead and do what I needed to do to get the rebate. After all, $17 is a large pepperoni pizza for me. Or three or four gallons of milk or something like that, you know. It, it, it was quite a, a lengthy process that was involved in getting the rebate. It involved uh, the birth certificate of my firstborn son, giving a pint of blood, letting them know what my shoe size was, and, and much more information that I was not comfortable in giving to them. Now, it, it wasn't quite that bad, but it was a cumbersome process to be sure. And I got to thinking that many people will probably never fill out all the paperwork involved because it is so tedious. Many people probably miss out on the opportunity because they are not willing to follow through on the steps required to finish the process. Now, those that offer mail-in rebates know that the incentive works and they know the higher the rebate, the more effective and enticing it is. They rely on the fact that many people will not follow through with the process and so they make it as cumbersome and obscure as possible to make it more profitable to the manufacturer. In the rebate industry, it is called the, the breakage and slippage factor. We like the feeling that we get in knowing that we are going to get something back after we make this purchase. But we do not like the fact that we have to do something 
in order to qualify. We like the release of the emotion that sweeps over us when the salesman tells us if you buy this particular item today, right now, before we close, you'll get a hundred dollar rebate in the mail that you can receive and so we buy the product and the rebate sits on the counter until we miss the deadline for sending it in i wonder if that thinking and that mentality has crept its way into the church just a little bit we like the feeling we get when we come to church We like the feeling we get when the pastor talks about the great hope that the Christian has. We like the feeling we get when someone comes alongside of us and prays for us. We like the feeling we get when we hear about the great blessings and the benefits that God has in store for us. We like the feeling we get when we sing the songs of Zion. We like the feeling we get When the service is going strong. We like the feeling we get when it gets a little emotional. And we get to feeling good. We like to run. We like to dance. We like to shout. And everything that comes with that. We like the anointing of the moment. But we do not want to make our way all the way to the pool of Siloam. We like the feeling of the anointing. But how often do we actually follow through and do what God tells us to do? We want to grow spiritually to a level of maturity. That sounds great to us. But do we really want to put in the work that accompanies spiritual growth and maturity? Hey, preacher, keep on preaching like you were a little while ago when you're laying that foundation. We like that kind of preaching. We like it when you are encouraging us. Stop digging around so deep. Stop digging around in my life and causing me to think about these things. Could it be we want the anointing, but we don't want the change? Could it be we like to feel the emotion of what's going on, but don't think, don't expect me to act differently than I did before? We like to run and jump and shout, but don't actually expect me to go to the pool of Siloam on my own time. I'm telling you, it may be some place you can't reach in this church service. But God will whisper a word to you through your pastor. God will whisper a word into your heart. You need to do one, two, three, or A, B, C. You need to do thus and so in your life. You may not be able to accomplish that in the altar tonight. But don't expect me to go there. On my own time. We like the miracles. The signs. The wonders. But are you telling me. 
that I actually have to do what God says to do. We like the emotion of the altar experience. But are you saying that I've got to be obedient to receive the real miracle of a changed life? I'm preaching today. Get the mud out of your eyes. I came across a quote a while back that struck a chord with me. They were the only words on the page. It was a book I was reading. It was called Necessary Endings, Dr. Henry Cloud is the author. Nothing else was there on the page. It was at the very beginning of the book, and I was flipping through the introductory pages there, and there was just one or two lines on that page, uh, and it said simply this, Great is the art of the beginning, but greater is the art of ending. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It was like those words reached down into my soul and grabbed a hold of me. They, they cut like a knife to the core of my being. And I thought, how true those words are. We all need to start. We all need to begin the process somewhere. But if we begin with a flourish and never finish the way God wants us to, then our great start will never amount to anything. The Word of the Lord tells us that it's not the one who runs the swiftest. It's not the one who starts off in first place. But the race goes to the one that endures all the way to the end. It's the one who endures all the way until the trumpet sounds that will rise to meet the Lord in the air one day. And so we're not afraid of COVID. We're not afraid of the political environment that we live in. We're not afraid of this country that seems to be turning around on the foundation that has once established in. We're not afraid of those things because it's the one that endures to the end. In fact, the Bible lets us know that things are going to get worse before they get any better. Things are going to get worse and worse until the coming, until the trumpet of Almighty God sounds. So don't be alarmed. Don't let this cause you to throw the towel in and say, we can't make it in this environment. We've got to stay home. We've got to do something different. We, we've got to change the way we've been doing. No, the, this, this stuff has been revealing who the true church is. Who's going to be obedient to the Word? Who's not going to let the environment or culture dictate to me how I live my life? So finish strong. Run all the way until the end. Run this race with patience and endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Getting to the next level always requires ending something, leaving it behind, moving on. Growth itself demands that we move on from the level that we were at before. 
without the ability to end things, people stay stuck never becoming who they were meant to be, never accomplishing all that their talents and abilities should afford them. Now, here's where I want to talk to you. And I'm doing my best to wrap this up. This will be the longest I preach in the times that I'm here this week. All right, we'll get this long one out of the way. How many times Have we had a good cry in the altar only to get up from our experience and live the exact same way we did before? How many times have we spoke in tongues at the end of a message that we knew was for us but never followed through with the change that God was trying to produce in us. How many times have we felt the emotion of the message and rushed down to the altar and poured our hearts out unto God with great emotion only to refuse to go where God was leading us? How many times have we felt the conviction of the Word of God penetrate our hearts and acknowledge, yes, God is speaking to me right now and run down to the altar for a good release of emotion but never quite make it all the way to the pool of Siloam to get the miracle that God has for us. Anyone can have a good beginning. It's wonderful to see people start out with the Lord with a great flourish. Anyone can come down to the altar. That's the beginning. Anyone can experience the anointing of the Lord Jesus as He applies the mud to our eyes. Anyone can speak in tongues in the altar. Anyone can come down and have a good cry in the altar. And I'm not against those things. But that is just the beginning. That is just the starting point. And too many times we miss the real blessing that God is trying to make available to us in our lives. Too many times we cry in the altar until the conviction we felt from the message goes away or it is appeased just a little bit and we do not make it all the way to the real healing or the real miracle of the blind being made to see at the pool of Siloam. The ending is what really counts. The ending is actually getting to the pool to wash the mud from our eyes. The ending is to actually be obedient to the direction the Lord is giving to you. The ending is actually leaving the altar in a changed condition and saying, I'm not going back to what I was before. The ending is actually following and paying attention to the spiritual authority in your life, your pastor, with your actions and not just with your words. Oh, I love you, Pastor. 
We've got the best. You've got the. You, by the way, you've got the best pastor around. Can I get a witness? Your pastor and his wife are fine people, and you can say with you you can say with confidence. You can say with a little bit of pride in your heart. We've got the best pastor around. But how many actually follow through without just saying, oh, I love you, Pastor. How many follow through and you're obedient to what he preaches to you? You make sure you line your life up with the word that he brings forth week after week. He labors in the word of God for your soul to give you a meal to eat. And you say, "Uh, I like the steak. I don't like the broccoli. You can put it in cheese. You can dip it in chocolate. I just don't like the broccoli. But how many know sometimes you've got to eat the things you don't like because it brings health to your body in the spiritual sense as well. There are sometimes you've got to let the sword of the Word of God cut away those rough places and those edges that don't belong there anymore. You've got to allow the Word of God to give you a course correction. And can I tell you, most times it will come from your pastor. Have we brought to an end the bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness that has dominated our lives and has kept us apart from people that we should love? You can't come down to the altar and say, oh, yeah, I spoke in tongues. And then get up from the altar and not talk to that brother or sister that you've got an offense with. Have you brought to an end you trying to be in control of your life until you relinquish your rights and expectations to the Lord Jesus Christ by actually going to the pool of Siloam? Have you brought to an end your resisting the word of the Lord when the pastor preaches about a standard that you need to hold or a change you need to make by really letting the word get a hold of your life and making the change that will bring the difference to your everyday life? The command was to go to the pool of Siloam and to wash, and that takes obedience. To do that, you must Leave what is familiar to you and move into that which you have been resisting. The mud has been applied. You've been anointed already. But that is not enough to produce spiritual growth. How many want to grow this year? How many want to leave the level where you're at and go on to spiritual maturity? To get to another level in the Lord Jesus. To get to that place that He's been pulling you for so long. Somehow, you've got to get to the place of obedience if you want to get there. I can teach you all about spiritual formation principles. I can talk to you about prayer. I can talk to you about Bible reading. I can talk to you about study of the Word of God. I can talk to you about fasting. I can talk to you about silence and solitude. I can talk to you about the practice of journaling and writing down the things that God is giving to you. But until you get to that place of obedience where you are obedient to the Word, 
you will always stay at the level that you'll at. It'll never produce in you what you need it to produce. Without spiritual eyesight and understanding, you'll be stuck in the familiar. Just coming to church week after week, but there's never a change. Clapping your hands with everybody else. Singing the song with everybody else. Just going through the same routine week after week. But can I tell you, it's time to take a trip to the pool. You've had the anointing. You've had the the mud applied to your eyes. But now you've got to find your way out of the familiar to the pool of Siloam and get rid of the mud. If you don't get rid of the mud, you're going to stay blind. You won't be able to see afar off. You'll remain spiritually stuck if you don't get to the pool. If you, you'll remain bound if you don't get to the pool. You'll remain in bitterness if you don't get to the pool. The applying of the mud, the anointing took place outside of the temple, but that's not where the miracle took place. The pool of Siloam was about a mile and a half to two miles away from where the temple was. I'm sure there were pools that were closer that the blind man was more familiar with. After all, he's blind. It's going to be difficult to make it all the way to the pool of Siloam. It's going to be difficult to make it to a place that I'm unfamiliar with. I'm blind. I can't see. But in obedience to the Word of God, in obedience to what the Lord Jesus said, He makes His way to the pool of Siloam. Lord, can I just get a surface blessing tonight? I know you're tugging on my heart. Can I just be content with the anointing? I feel the anointing. I feel You'd be crazy not to like what you feel in this place tonight. Can I just walk around with the mud in my eyes a little while? Can I just be content with the emotion? He was not content with just relieving the conviction, but in obedience, he went all the way to the pool of Siloam to wash his eyes. I'm not saying don't feel the emotion. I'm not saying don't cry tears as you feel the Lord working in your life. I'm not saying don't come running to the altar. I'm not saying don't let those hot tears flow as he begins to deal with your life. I'm not saying don't pour your heart out to the Lord. Yes, do that. Do all of that, but don't stop short of the real miracle of coming away seeing. Don't stop short of going to the pool and getting the mud washed out of your eyes so you can have the miracle. It only happens from obedience. Can we stand together? I'm sorry for preaching so long tonight. Can we just take a moment? I don't know what your practice is right now. If you come to the altar, go ahead and come to the altar. If you stay where you're at, go ahead and stay where you're at tonight. But can we just feel after the Lord right now together? Could it be that God was speaking to someone tonight? Could it be that God was speaking to you tonight? How many want to just remain where you're at? 
I don't want to change. I don't want to do what I need to do. There may be some that that's true of you tonight. But how many want to press your way in all the way to the pool of Siloam? How many want to get in obedience to the Lord right where God wants you to be tonight? And you begin to reach out to Him in obedience to His Word. Don't miss the miracle because of the emotion. Don't just cry in the altar until the conviction is gone and forget what God was speaking to you, but press your way all the way into the pool. You are faithful, I know. Jesus, Jesus. I will walk in obedience to you, Lord. Everything that you ask of me, Lord, I will do. Where you lead me, I'll go. You are faithful, I know. So I walk in obedience to you. I will walk in obedience to you. Everything that you ask of me, Lord, I will do. Thank you, you, Jesus. Come on, it won't take a long time tonight. You are faithful. It won't take a long time to press into what God has for you tonight. You've just got to make a choice. I'm leaving here changed. When I leave here, I'm going to be different. I'm changing some behaviors in my life that have had me bound. I'm going to get rid of some stuff in my life that I've brought back into my life that God delivered me from once already. I'm going to get rid of those things. That's what I'll be. I will be what you called me to be. I'll say yes. Lord, I agree. My desire passionately is to be what you called me to be. That's what I'll be. I will be what you called me to be. I'll say yes. Lord, I agree. My desire passionately is to be what you called me to be.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The presence of the Lord is in this place, church. Let God finish what he has started in you. Don't hinder the work that God is doing in your life right now. But just hold on to God's unchanging hand and say, Lord, I will be obedient. I will go, Lord Jesus. I will endure, Lord Jesus. I will do, Lord God. I like what I feel, but God, more importantly, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live in total obedience to you, Lord God. Oh, God, we will go and we will do. We want to please you. We want to fulfill your purpose, oh God. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, church, let's not allow this message to escape us tonight. Oh, let's not let this message escape us. But let's hold firmly to the word of God tonight. Don't let this word go, but hold fast. Hold on to it and say, God, I will obey. I will go in faith, and I will endure to the end, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you tonight. We bless your name. You're so kind. You're so wonderful. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in this house. So, Kimora, I'm putting you just on a little spot. You came to the altar tonight. Something made you come to the altar tonight. Yes? You like the preaching? You like the preaching? And so you came to the altar? Well, you heard what the preacher said. Whatever you felt tonight, whatever message you feel God had spoken into your heart, you liked the feeling, you responded, but now you got to keep following in obedience. So whatever it is that you held on to, whatever it is that you know God had put into your heart as you were listening to the preaching, hold on to it and keep on following through. Just keep obeying what you've heard. God is going to do some great things in your life. God bless you. Let's stand together. What a great first night. Let's thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I hope by now you know the man is walking in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I have nothing to say. I'm just going to stay muted and let the man just preach. And you determine when he's all done if he's not walking in the Holy Ghost. Give a great offering tonight as you leave out. You know our situation. You know what we're doing. And we're going to follow all the way through. <laughs> we're going to go all the way through. We're going to endure. It doesn't matter what anything looks like. We're moving forward. Amen. God has already anointed our eyes. All we got to do is go all the way through. And we'll be able to wash the mud out. And we'll see clearly. And we'll be able to continue to do what God wants us to do. Give tonight. I thank you for being here. Please, I want all of you to come back tomorrow night. Invite somebody to come tomorrow night because you know they're going to be blessed. We thank God for you. Lord, thank you tonight for speaking to our heart. For every one of us certainly has been blessed. And, oh, God, I pray that we will hold truly 
to the word of God and that we will follow through in obedience. Oh God, as we go from this place, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you have done and what you will do for the next few days through the man of God and the woman of God that you've sent us. Oh God, touch us in a special way, but God, help us to follow through to the end in obedience. We love you. We praise you and we thank you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. God bless you, church. Give tonight as you're leaving. I love you. Come tomorrow night. Invite somebody to come. Spread the word on social media that there's a word from God. So come and hear what God wants to say. Hallelujah.